You are listening to WFOD, friend to the hip-hop community. WFOD. My name is Mike. I am joined by my good friend, Mr. Drunkard STL on the Twitters. Howdy. And the king of pranks, the albino alligator, going shirtless tonight, Mr. Travis Hulse. I'll tell you what, he looks like a man. It's hot out there, baby. It looks like a Sasquatch over there. I look like I look like the, the the pinnacle version of a man in the 1970s when Burt Reynolds was laying on that rug and his fucking chest oh, yeah. was just blazing hair. Like that was the pinnacle of a man in the 1970s. Unfortunately, uh, it's 2023 and I look uh, like a grizzly bear. So, guys, well, speaking of you'd have, uh, you'd have to shave this right here, but other than that, you're spot on. Speaking <laughs> of alpha males, guys, coming up after the break, we're going to talk to uh, Chris Whaley. He's a uh, He's a former pro wrestler turned uh, uh, preacher or uh, minister or what is he? Uh, pastor. He's pastor, a pastor, Travis? Yep, he's a pastor. Uh, guy, hell of a guy, Travis. Looking forward yeah. to talking to him. I want to talk to you about this. Uh, Before this, you get to that, Mike. <laughs> I fuck I you, Travis. <laughs> <laughs> hey, but did you want to talk about this did, guy for but did hear about. three weeks? <laughs> so this Dale... Wheatley guy, not to be confused with Chris Whaley, who we're talking to after the break, Travis. Uh, Dale Wheatley, Wheatley, Wheatley. He is that uh, TNN or not? So, Travis, what he is? NASCAR driver. He is a driver for the Anatomical Gift Association, which basically, if you donate your body to science, this guy delivers the body to the people who do the science. Uh, he he's a he's a whistleblower, Travis, because what he was finding was that a whole bunch of these science students and stuff at these colleges and stuff were returning a lot of the bodies because they were in such poor condition. Uh, there's a lot of fuckery going on at the Anatomical mm. Gift Association, and this Dale Wheatley guy pointed it out. He said, uh, uh, "Hey." All these bodies are, are getting places, and they're all fucked up, and people want to return them. Is this because they're not embalming them correctly? This is just... I'm lost. So this 
Drunk said he was a NASCAR driver. Is that correct? No. 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 Travis, he, he works for the Anatomical Gift Association. So he works for that company. Yeah. I just said that because his first name is Dale. If your first name okay. is Dale, you're a NASCAR <clears throat> driver. Okay. So that that's I don't know NASCAR and I you know it was just confused. So he's not sponsored by the Anatomical no, Gift. So no, he no, works no. for the Anatomical I, Gift. I got a I got a clip of Dale Wheatley. Yeah, play there's it. been instances where I've pulled donors from our storing room out of the racks and rats have chewed through the bottom of the bag, through the feet. So Dale Wheatley is Dale black. Yeah, Dale's a big black man drunk. He pointed out these concerns and uh, his superiors, Travis, once he, he pointed these things out, they had a response, Travis. They had a response to what Dale Wheatley said. My boss walked by, I asked him why the heads were at my desk, and he told me they need to get back with their bodies so we can send them to cremation. I said, I understand that. Why are they at my desk? And he told me, well, I don't know, Dale. There's a lot of strange things happening. They put three severed heads on his desk, Travis. That's like the Godfather shit, putting a horse head in some asshole's bed. <laughs> I guess you just fuck around with the bodies there. They have a good time, Travis. Is this man still employed by this organization? I I guess, yeah. You can't really fire him now because, you know, <clears throat> there's a whole bunch of uh, reporting going on. Yeah, there's a, it's not there's easy a, to fire a whistleblower. In there's a lot going on here, right? Like, he, did does he have records of him going to his superiors with these issues, right? Like, yeah. Or did, did he just say to the public, yeah, this is uh, this is what's going on well this and then his bosses are like this motherfucker's selling us out to the public yeah yeah so he went to the public after the head showed up at his desk now they delivered to eight medical schools and uh all the medical schools have complained that they're doing a bad job so i guess what you could say is is if you donate your body to science there's a good chance they're gonna fuck with it travis but that's not the only fucking with dead body story i have this week travis because let's say they get to the medical destinations one of said medical destinations is harvard and at harvard there is a morgue manager who's just selling body parts travis they're just selling body investigators say the body parts came from cadavers donated to harvard and used for educational purposes but they say cedric lodge would open the morgue to let buyers browse (laughs) (laughs) it's like opening a flea market early Uh, come on in browse around see what you like so uh, apparently he was doing this for like (laughs) years this was going on that uh all these creepy people would go buy body parts yeah i'm less interested in the guy selling them and more interested and what the people who were buying the parts were doing with the parts katrina mclean was one of the buyers prosecutors say accused of purchasing two dissected faces for six hundred dollars do you have anything to say to the family she's the owner of cats creepy creations in peabody and investigators say she stored and sold body parts out of the store Peabody now, is the worst part of that whole statement. What's Peab- really funny Peabody. is if you look up this story, this Harvard story, they yeah. all have the same mugshot of this creepy guy with half of his face tattooed. And the creepy guy with his face half tattooed is the 
third string guy in this story. He's one of the guys buying th- from Katrina's creepy creations. That, sh- that shouldn't be the headline. The only reason it's a headline is because he looks like a weirdo. Yeah. So the the morgue manager is this guy. No, just a normal guy. Oh, just some guy buying he doesn't from look Katrina's cool. creepy you creations. You wouldn't click on him, Travis. <laughs> oh, sure. Okay, I see. You know that kind what of is, what reminds are... me of your like uh, neighborhood tchotchke shop where you had to be of a certain age to get in the back room? Yeah, is that what this is? <laughs> Katrina's creepy creations? What is she selling these faces for? Is she making masks? What's happening? Well, she bought them for $600. So how much do you think she resold them for? Twelve. Well, it depends on what she's doing with them, right? Is she just making like uh, yard yard ornaments? Is she? I mean, like, what is she creating? She, she was uh, these? sending them off to get tanned uh, so that she could make leather out of some of it. I saw face leather? human Base skin leather. leather cannot be that thick, right? How did nobody realize this broad? I mean, obviously, we're you know we're getting to the bottom of this, and it's like this guy was selling shit out of uh, out of the morgue. But like, how did nobody know this broad was selling this shit out of her sh- out of her shop? Like, well, it's yeah, a, it, it's a business wide <laughs> open. Everybody can walk in and buy things. If the name of the place is the Creepy Creations, you'd think you'd go in there and be like, "All right, where's the human skin?" And then you'd see it immediately because she's buying, dude. My, maybe they had time. to do like an underground thing. Maybe about, you have to say the magic words to get the really. Oh, is this like an eight millimeter it. situation, like the Nick Cage movie where you go to the porn store? Yeah, like to, to like it just looks like a hot topic. Right. But if you know the secret password, you can get into the back room. Like, hey, I'm looking for the good stuff. Dude, you know the, my, the face leather. My lady took me to the Dead Museum in New Orleans when we went there. One of the worst days of my life, dude. Dead museum? <laughs> yeah. I don't like looking at dead people. It creeps me out. Dude, it's they had all kinds of crazy shit in there, dude. That's why I think why can't we what generation is finally going to abolish the funeral where you have embalmed bodies wide open for public viewing? I understand like Well the Catholics are going away soon, so once So I mean, is that gonna be is that gonna do it? Like there's gotta be a generation here that's like, man. Nobody wants this. Well, Travis, I think that we're getting dangerously close to just becoming uh, meat. Uh, The FDA approved two of those fake meat places that is making the meat in the big things. Travis, the the human meat, the human. I, I think they're just making tumors. But yeah, the FDA just approved a couple of them. For the first time, U.S. regulators approved the sale of chicken made from animal cells. It allows two California companies to offer lab-grown meat to restaurants. There's two companies now. There's uh, well, What if they make the chicken better? Maybe they would. Maybe it's great. Uh, still, it's creepy, though, right? Plus, they're trying to, I mean, if you actually look into, like, the, the big chicken industry, it's, like, one of the most inhumane industries that exist like i eat plenty of chicken but like if you actually look into how these these factory chickens are being produced, it is like the worst i want my nine pound chicken breast from fucking churches fucking do not naysay but they're doing this now travis we're so close to bite labs becoming a reality uh bite labs the celebrity meat yeah the celebrity meat yeah absolutely that's what i was referring to when i said human meat 
For thousands of years, eating meat has meant slaughtering animals. But the scientists behind the two companies that received USDA clearance today say that's no longer necessary. Instead, they produce meat by extracting cells from an animal's body. Then they feed the cells and literally grow meat in big stainless steel tanks. Their production facilities look like breweries almost. But instead of beer, they're brewing meat, so to speak. Was that what AI? No, that was a, a NPR lady. They're brewing meat, so to speak. Yeah, they're making it like in the things that McDonald's makes their tea in. Chicken you know, nuggets. you can't, you cannot beat. I'll tell you, like, yeah, you can brew all this shit. You can factory farm. My mom just gave me. She went to some fucking Amish auction where they bought a bunch of fucking strawberry plants and shit. She bought like I don't know, like fifteen chickens, and these fucking chickens, these Amish raised chickens, are huge. She gave me one of these things. It takes up like half my freezer. It's insane. Oh, I thought you meant like a live chicken where you can like have eggs and shit. Oh no, I mean there's you can buy those. They're a dime a dozen around here. You can there's <laughs> people all over the place that got those where yeah. you can get eggs and shit. But I mean, like these Amish raised meat chickens are fucking huge. Like I've never seen in a grocery store a chicken that big. Can and the Amish to- use all the hormones and stuff, Travis? No, Is that okay? no, the Amish ain't doing any of that shit. Oh. They don't even have power. You know what I'd like to see is a turkey egg. I've never seen a turkey egg. Well, that's probably doable, right? You just find you a, a bunch of turkeys. One of them's probably got an egg that you can look at. You think, Take a right? gander at it. Turkey egg is a pr- thing, ain't there? Travis, we can, can, probably, we can get drunk right. a turkey egg, can't we? Yeah, I can probably find one. I mean, we get usually get flocks of turkeys in our yard uh, at least once a year. So, I, I mean, Travis, even get drunk a work. turkey egg. He deserves it. I bet they're delicious. Drunk, I do have something kind of special. We, uh, we, we did get a... Uh, Get an offer. Okay. Ladies and gentlemen. Incoming offer. So, drunk. We should have said um, serious offers only. Remind people what this is for, Mike. Drunk is uh, having a honeymoon, and he's raising funds for it, Travis. Right. And so... Um, People can donate to Drunk's Honeymoon Fund by offering him uh, opportunities to do stunts. Right. Being our resident stuntman, we're we're uh, tagging this stunt year. Yeah, uh, stunt year. We just, yeah. Stunt year! Uh, drunk. Jody, he found something called the uh, Adam Male Cyberskin Head-to-Head Stroker. Uh, and and I, I think that what he wants is for me and you both to insert our penises into either end of this. And he offered us $5 to do that. Um, so it's not a serious offer, Travis. Um, only only serious offers, please. Yeah. The, the Adam male cyber skin head to head stroker actually costs $38. So we would be negative $33. I, I do have a review. Boys. No. Yep. Go ahead. As fun as it is to jack yourself it's only more fun jacking someone else i disagree i disagree i don't want to disagree yeah it's a waste of our time travis hard disagree uh also if you are going to suggest stunts for drunk to do that require props you must supply the props as well as 
donate to Drunk's Honeymoon Fund. And I, I mean, if and it involves it, me having gay sex, I'm not going to have gay sex so Drunk can go somewhere on vacation. I mean, if, if this is everyday props, right, it's, if it's a reasonable house. prop that we already have right. lying around the house, that's one right. thing. But if it's like a specific tool that needs to be purchased, you're going to have to purchase that tool. And also, if it involves gay circle jerking it's going to have to be much better than five dollars so can we can we set a minimum set a minimum i don't i don't think so because think about it if somebody says drunk you gotta put a dorito up your nose i'll give you five bucks you do that yeah put a dorito up your nose drunk you know what i mean like just Uh, something stupid five bucks you'll do that it's five bucks so if you set a minimum it's just it's it's gonna set a bad precedent so People need to realize that if they're going to suggest things for stunt month, the offer has to match the suggestion and and be right. be real here. And people. it's known that I get to counter anyway. So all right, exactly. counter uh, Jody's uh, uh, Adam and Mike, Cyber Mike said I cannot have gay sex with him, so I <laughs> I cannot counter that offer. What well, from the sounds of it, it doesn't sound like your penises would touch. So. Well, yeah, no, there's there's enough room there that I'm, I, I'm pretty sure Mark's got a hog on. I don't him, think so. I'd fill it up, Travis. But there's like a there's like a fishbowl in the middle <laughs> to collect. It's gross. Oh, it's God. gross, Travis. It's oh, gross. God. Oh yeah, who's cleaning that afterwards? Yeah, no, That's I, I don't directly like in it. the trash can. Like Guys, what we're gonna do? <laughs> we're gonna take a break after talking about this gay sex toy, and then we're gonna come back and talk to a pastor. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> stick around. We'll be right back. When I die, clone my meat. All will try a travi treat. Have a taste. Pee your pants. Time's a waste. Take a chance. I marinate in my pee. My meat is soft. You will see. Take some travi for the road from a big tube. It was growed. Time once again for the Hollywood Beat with your inside source, Drunk. And this week, Drunk talks to Ben Mendelsohn about his new series, Secret Invasion, streaming now on Disney+. Plus. I feel like the scroll shit was like 18 movies ago. What do they do again? Right, they can shapeshift. You don't know. I could be talking to Amelia and she may actually be a genuine scroll. Oh, I'm sorry. I, think- I didn't realize you were an Aussie. I've seen him like uh, ten movies. This is so weird. Who the hell is Ice Spice? Dubfod goes hard. Ladies and gentlemen, give it up for one of the greatest, Christopher the Saint Samuels. You've always been a man looking for a second chance. Now you have to look after the church. Pastor Chris, welcome to Westside. He pulled all his funding from us. We have all these bills in arrears and no way to pay them. There were threats made by local Local gangs. gangs and the church isn't doing so well. What are you doing? Are you praying? (laughs) Remember, the world can only be changed by our action. Now apparently there's a mass vigilante out there beating people up. You don't say. Where in the Bible does it say thou shalt not wrestle, huh? Not back. Yeah, you are. You just don't want it. Sometimes you should just quit. While you're ahead. The Lord never gives, gives us, us more than, than we can handle. 
God is with me. Once again. WFOD. Wheelbarrow full of dicks. Our guest tonight is the author of The Masked Saint, a book based on his real-life story as a professional wrestler turned Southern Baptist pastor. For more information, check out themaskedsaint.com. Chris Whaley is on the program. Hey, guys. How you doing? Chris, how's it going, man? Man, if I was any better, I'd have to wipe some of it off. (laughs) (laughs) Chris, it's not every day that you you hear about a guy like you. You've worn a lot of hats. I can tell you this. I'm not going to drink my own urine. Okay. <laughs> that, that guy's awesome. The the urine drinking guy? I, I listened to your show. I couldn't believe that. <laughs> <laughs> it's a real guy, Chris. <laughs> That's that, a that pers- sick guy. Yeah, sick. That, per- that person lives on this world. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, I'm not going to join him in that. But, you know, I, Us either. I don't think I will either, but I, I guess I'll always wonder if there's something to it. You know, maybe he's on to something and we just don't know about it. Maybe we're grossed out and maybe it's really great. Uh, okay. That, it, it gives me the shoulder shakes just thinking about it. <laughs> Yeah, that's a that's a you're you're trying to survive in the desert after two weeks of being alone kind of thing. Not not like what how how could I enjoy this day? I'll drink my own. Yeah, yeah. It's it's more of a if I don't do this, I'll die. Than a like I'm going to do this to thrive. No, yeah. You know you know what I can't wait to do tonight? <laughs> get get with my buddies and drink some pee. <laughs> Uh, Chris, I listened to something with you earlier that said that you still do like 300 push-ups. I was doing 400 push-ups a day. Um, a day? Until um, I, I tore my rotator cuff for the third time. Ugh. So uh, I'm not doing them now because uh, because of that. But yeah, I was doing that. I got, I got back in the ring last year uh, on November the 17th at the age of 68. And I, I was in great shape whenever I got back into the ring. And after after I, you know, did that event, I just continued working out because, I mean, I didn't plan to get back in the ring. But in my living room doing the push-ups, uh, I went down and something snapped. Oh. It was the uh, the rotator cuff. What event did you do? You, did you, you wrestled somebody? 
Yeah, yeah. I, I've got a buddy uh, that's uh, AIWA champion. Uh, his name is, uh, well, he goes by the Golden Boy, Jim Jimmy McDowell. And he called me last uh, April and invited me down to South Florida. They were going to be doing a big event down there. And he said, I want you to uh, bring your books and DVDs and T-shirts and sign autographs and take pictures of people. And I said, oh, I'd love to. I'd love to. And he said, how you doing? I said, you know, I am in great shape. I've been working out. And he said, uh, good enough to get back in the ring. <laughs> and I just kind of thought for a moment. And I said, you know, I, I would really like to do that. It's been 35 years. Yeah, I'll do it. I'll do it. So um, one of my buddies that lives in the area is uh, Alex Putro. Alex uh wrestled for wwe as uh the pug p-u-g the pug and he has a the pug p-u-g why was he the pug <clears throat> i have no idea but that was his gimmick <laughs> but uh if you look him up you can find him, alex putro but he, he's got a gym in the area he trains uh guys that want to be professional wrestlers <laughs> so i said i'm going to come over and work out and get in the ring with these guys that are 20 something years old and uh, so I did that for about four months every week, going over there, getting in the ring, broke nose one week, uh, cut ear the next week. You know, <laughs> you're, you're you're working against guys that don't know what the heck they're doing. Is it uh, just a, a good way to keep in shape? You can do all the cardio you want, but there is nothing that uh, gives you that exact uh, as getting in the ring yeah. because if, if you don't get in the ring and, and do that, uh, and then you get in the ring, you, you're going to be, uh, sucking cotton. So I didn't want to do that. So I, I went over there and got in the ring with those guys and, uh, it was great. It was great. You know? Chris, I see you're a married man. You have a, a ring on your finger, correct? Yes. I've been married ah. 40, 48 years. How did your wife feel at the age of 68 <laughs> that you were going to jump back in the ring? <laughs> And, you know, and, and wrestle. <laughs> it's, it's, it's funny that you asked that because she was sitting on the couch. And when Jimmy called, I put it on speaker. And uh, when I said, yeah, I'll do that. She looked over at me. And she went, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But, you know, it was it was great because uh, when I got out of wrestling in 1988, I really didn't get to go out the way I wanted to, you know, because, uh, my last tour was, uh, in March of 1988. Uh, I, I wrestled in Mississippi and Louisiana for a week and I came home and then I had to buckle down because, uh, I was going to graduate in May to get my, uh, masters of divinity. And so when I graduated, boom, you know, a church called me and wrestling was over. It was just uh, oh, cr crap. It, so, you know, it happened too quick. Did your careers not overlap at all? Because now you, after you wrestled, you became a pastor. But like, were you doing both? My last three years in wrestling uh, was when I was getting my Master of Divinity in Fort Worth, Texas at uh, Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary. I was uh, going to seminary in the daytime and then I was wrestling at night. So I got to do that for three years, and that was uh, that was pretty awesome. Got to work with uh, the Undertaker. I uh, got to work with uh, Ultimate Warrior, uh, the first Black World Heavyweight Champion, uh, Iceman King Parson, 
how well, how was Ultimate Warrior? He was uh he was a lot, you know, wasn't he? He was pretty stiff, kind of funny. We we locked up in the ring, and of course, you know, he was on steroids. And when we locked up, he was like, you're, "Wait a minute, you're kidding!" Yeah. Ultimate Warrior was on steroids? <laughs> no, yes. that's a bombshell, Travis. We got to clip that. Yeah. yeah, he uh he backed me into a corner and he hit me, and it was like you know he shook my kinfolks in China. <laughs> uh, and so we, we locked up again and I said, Hey man, you were stiff with that punch. You're stiff. And, and he backed me into the corner again and he hit me again. And, and there's an old adage in the business. One time is a mistake, but twice demands a response. And if you don't do that, they will just continue to do what they're doing. Yeah, so, sure. uh, on the third time I reversed it and I, I hit that guy as hard as I could. And it didn't even phase him. He just kind of went <laughs> like that. And so after the match was over, I went to the dressing room and I was looking for something I could hit him with because I knew he was going to come in. And I found a steel bar and I put it next to my chair and I just waiting for him to come in. And when he came in, he opened the door. It's like <clears throat> looking and he found me. He started walking towards me and I reached down for that bar and he walked over and right in front of me. And then he went, I uh, got a little stiff with that punch, partner. Sorry about that. I went, no problem. No problem. Yeah. I, I thought you were going to hit him with the steel bar just to see if he was human. Like if you could do <laughs> no, something. No, I didn't want to make him mad. <laughs> so, so how does that happen, Chris? You're, you're, you're a wrestler. How, how, how does the transition happen into becoming a pastor? Uh, it was it was a little strange, you know. I I mean, you train for this in seminary. I mean, I take uh, you take uh, the language, you know, the Bible. The the New Testament was written in Greek, and the Old Testament was written in Hebrew. So you take, you know, I had four years that I took of uh, Greek and Hebrew, and you you take uh, you know so many courses on church history and New Testament and Old Testament, and you prepare. And then, you know, you go to a church and they didn't teach you anything about being a pastor. And so my first two weeks, I'm kind of wondering what in the heck I'm doing. And in the meantime, you know, I'm I'm meeting people, you know, some of them that were being abused. I, I had this young uh, mom that would drop her kids off at our, our children's program and then she would come in. She'd be the first, uh, the last one in the building and she'd be the first one out of the building after the service was over. And one Sunday she came in and she had sunglasses on. And I that was a little unusual. But uh, And I always went to the front of the church and I would stand and shake hands with people as they went out. And so on that day, she was the last person to go out of the building. And when she came up to me, she took my hand with both of her hands and she had her head down. And I could see tears coming down her cheeks. And I... I just lifted up her sunglasses and she had two black eyes and it just, uh, it just enraged me. I mean, I, I, you know, I was married, I had two little girls and, and I just couldn't imagine somebody hitting the mother of his children. I asked her if it was her husband. She said, yes. I said, I'm going to go visit this guy. 
And she was like, no, no, he'll hurt you. And I was like, I'm not worried about it. <laughs> and so, you know, I go over to his house and uh, and I just, I told him, I said, you know, you are a dirtbag. Any man that would hit a woman is a dirtbag. And you're a bully. Uh, bullies only pick on people that they know they can beat up. Uh, so I invited him, come on out here and let's see how you can do against somebody who's able to fight back. And so uh, it was awesome because uh, you don't get to relieve your stress in the ministry. And so for, <laughs> for about uh, five minutes, I got to relieve my stress, and it was it was awesome. Oh, so and he you, never you fought, hit her again. You fought the guy out in the yard? Yeah, yeah, we danced in the front yard, and it was wonderful. Th so they, they didn't teach you that in... in uh... <laughs> <laughs> no, no. You know, I was trained by the great Malenko, he was one of the baddest of the bad when I was mm -hmm. a kid growing up. Uh, and his, uh, he had two boys, Dean Malenko. Dean worked in the WWF. He worked as the man with a thousand holes. Uh, yeah, and Dean Jody, Malenko was, was our time. Yeah. We knew yeah. Dean Malenko. Yeah, yeah. Great and Malenko a, was a great, insane clown posse album. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, you know, he, he did a great job of training. He, I mean, when he was training us, you know, he said... Hey, listen, you better know what you're doing because there's guys that are going to try to take advantage of you. And if you're not able to, uh, to fight back, you're just uh, you're going to be in a lot of trouble. So he did a great job of training us. So I, I really wasn't worried. That's probably have a, a lot of good training pre-pastor, yeah. right? Like is, is, is being in wrestling and being a showman, right? Like you say people, you know, oh, like uh, Jericho, he he was a wrestler and then he became a, 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 a rock and roll man, which yeah. shows, you know, how to control a stage. And, and he is. I've seen him live. He's amazing yeah. at it. And I would imagine that that had a lot to do with the showmanship of the WWE. And I would imagine as being a pastor, that probably also came in handy. Right. Like the how to command an audience right yeah. like uh you know to, to to get people to listen to your message and all that kind of thing like what was what was the initial catalyst were you always wanting to become a pastor even when you were in wrestling or did something change no yeah i i grew up uh i was the sickly kid in and out of the hospital constantly in and out of the hospital fourth grade i had polio uh and viral encephalitis had to learn to walk all over again you don't hear uh, much a, about polio anymore. Yeah, no, you, you, you didn't in that day either. But, uh, <laughs> but anyway, uh, I, I had to learn to walk all over again. And oh, I had geez. a great doctor who refused to allow me to get up. He's the one that found out well, why my immune system wasn't working. And he's the one that uh, got me going to the gym, working out with weights and doing all of that. So, um, when I finally, my body finally started to change, I started to put on weight and then my body started to change from lifting the weights and I was in great shape and all. I met this girl when I was 16 years old who actually knew what she was going to do. I mean, I majored in lunch in high school. <laughs> my, uh, my dad uh, was a long distance truck driver and fifth degree redneck. <laughs> and uh, he, he had no education. My mom had no education. And so uh, Christianity wasn't a part of our house and education wasn't a part of our house. Oh, so you didn't time. grow up religious at all? No, not at all. Huh. Uh, my mom was a Jehovah's Witness. Oh. Yeah. So uh, 
Well, I met this girl when I was 16 years old, and she was a lot like me. She grew up in poverty, and she said, I'm not going to live in poverty the rest of my life. I'm going to be a high school math teacher. I'm going to get an education, and, and I'm going to make something out of myself. And I followed her down to Palm Beach Atlantic University, which was a Christian university. And uh, she took me to church, and I heard this guy preach. And it was the first time in my life that I could actually understand what a preacher was saying because all the preachers that I'd listened to up until that time screamed and hollered and slung sweat three hours back. Yeah. Uh, but uh, this guy was awesome, and that's, that's when my life changed. Um, I became a Christian my first semester in, uh, in college. I suddenly had a desire to learn, and uh, we, we graduated together. Came back to Central Florida, and uh, that's where I answered the ad for professional wrestlers. <laughs> you just saw an ad in the paper and said, hey, hey, "I the Tampa Tribune." It said, "Wanted professional wrestler." And you're I, like, I, I, "I'm in shape. I could do that." Yeah, I could do that. And I got so excited, I picked it up, <laughs> went over to my wife. She was grading papers. I said, "Look at this," and she just rolled her eyes. And I uh, I packed a bag, drove over to Tampa, walked in. There was, you know the great Malenko and, and I was hooked. The moment and he I said, I, I'm a professional wrestler. <laughs> uh, no, I didn't say that. I didn't say that. That's crazy. Yeah. Cause I, I mean, you think about how it happens now, like that has to be your dream and you have to put in years and, and, and uh, I, I think they have camps for it and stuff. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And, camps and, and schools you just and, answered yeah. an ad in the paper. Yeah, the uh, WWE has a school here in Orlando yeah. at Full Sail University, and they uh, that that's where you know the new talent uh, comes from. Uh, but in in my day, there were twenty six territories uh, all over the United States. Florida was a big territory. Georgia, the Carolinas, uh, Texas had three territories. You had the Funks in in uh, West Texas the Von Erichs in East Texas and Putsky in South Texas. And then uh, California, Oregon, the AWA, the WWF, Mid-South Wrestling. And uh, then when Vince McMahon inherited the WWF, he changed everything. That guy is a marketing genius. Yeah. He, took yeah. a little, he took a little fledgling territory and he turned it into a multi-billion dollar business. And uh, we never made the money that those guys make today. We never made that in my day. But he he is the guy that changed professional wrestling. It's very interesting to see, you know, it's 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 almost like every other sport, right? Where, you know, even professional football, you would think, you know, back in the 70s, back in the 80s, these guys weren't making the kind of money that they're making now. It just didn't yeah. exist. And then for Vince McMahon to see how everything was changing in, in other sports, and to be like, oh, well, if I merge some of these territories and start to put this together, put that together, and to make it is what it is today, you're right. He's a marketing genius. And to, yeah. you know, anybody who has anything to, negative to say about Vince McMahon, which, of course, there's probably plenty you could say negative about Vince McMahon, <laughs> you can't take that away from the guy, right? Like, he created no. such a such a huge organization. Yeah. You know, uh, I think it was 1993. I was doing a benefit. I was a pastor, but I was doing a benefit and I hadn't, I hadn't wrestled in five years. And, uh, the, the, I was putting on this benefit and it was, it was great. I had, uh, Rick Rude, had, uh, Dory Funk Jr., had the Warlord, had a bunch of guys. 
And uh, the guy that I was going to work against, he said, how long has it been since you've been in the ring? I said, five years. He said, well, I'm not getting in the ring with you until I know what you can do. So we found an independent show over in Tampa and we were, uh, we were in a dressing room and in walks uh, the rock Dwayne Johnson with his dad, Rocky Johnson. And I'm old. I wrestled his dad, you know? Yeah. And then here's Dwayne. He just graduated from the university of Miami. And, uh, I was talking to him. I said, uh, are you going to play football? And he said, no, no, I'm going to wrestle like my dad. And I said, man, you could, you could play football and make millions of dollars. He said, no, I'm going to wrestle like my dad. And I, I said, you're an idiot. <laughs> and, uh, and then the next year he went to the WWF and made $6 million the next year. So it's a good thing. He didn't listen to my advice. I, <laughs> I, you know, I was wrestling and then I became a youth pastor and my wife uh, was pregnant with our first child. And in those days they didn't pay school teachers when they got pregnant and we were starving. They don't pay youth pastors very much. And I went to the senior pastor. I said, hey, you know, uh, I could wrestle a couple of nights a week and it would really help us financially. And he said, no, we're not going to turn this church into a circus. And I said, oh, OK. And then that Saturday, I was just watching wrestling and I I watching some of my friends that were wrestling. And one of my friends was uh, wearing a hood. That's what they call a mask. And I said, that's it. That's when uh, up until that time I was using my own name. But then I, I got this white mask and I had white trunks and uh, white boots and a white cape. And I became the saint. And I was wrestling, you know, a couple nights a week and the church didn't know it, uh, which was kind of cool. You know, I would show up with bruises, uh, broke nose and they'd say, what happened to you? And I said, I fell down, which was <laughs> true. I didn't lie. I had a lot of help falling down. But uh, so that's how the saint came around. Uh, and I just kept it. And from there until the end of my career, I wrestled as a saint. Did you, did you bring it up? I guess your wrestling career, or did they, did anybody uh, like suss it out where they were like, Hey pastor, uh, I, I was at a wrestling event. However many years ago, there's a guy that looked a lot like you, uh, going by your exact same name. Uh, was that you? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you know, early on in my uh, my career uh, as a as a pastor, I just I tried to separate. I didn't want anybody to know because, you know, I know you'll be surprised, but there are jerks even in Christ in churches, <laughs> and and uh, you know you you've always got Bubba that wants to try you. Yeah, you know, sure. Come yep. come up and try you. So you're just really opening yourself up if you if you put that stuff out there because somebody's going to challenge you. And right. I, I mean, I didn't mind a challenge, but I just didn't want it right there. So, uh, but then, you know, after I went to my, my second church, um, I thought, you know, what the heck? So, you know, everybody in the church and my second church, they knew that I was a former, uh, professional wrestler. And I had some people challenge me in that church. So. <laughs> Chris, where should I send people? TheMaskedSaint.com. You got, uh, looks like you got your books up there. Will you sign them for people and stuff? Oh, absolutely. Uh, you know, you can go to the TheMaskedSaint.com. And uh, if you want to, you know, want a book, I'll be glad to do that. T-shirt, whatever. Um, or uh, if you want a DVD of the movie. You guys haven't even asked me about that. You know, the book was made into a movie. 
which is now on uh, Amazon Prime. Do you have Amazon Prime? Amazon Ooh. Prime, Travis. We watched the, the Masked Saint. Yeah, yeah. So it's got it's Rowdy Roddy Amazon. Piper in it. Hey, you know, I had wrestled him 30 years before that. I mean, I hadn't <laughs> seen this guy in 25 years. And when uh, they made the movie, I was so excited when they had him and and got to be around Roddy for a month while they were making the movie. Uh, you know, that guy was so awesome. He One of the best wrestlers of all time, but also a great actor. And uh, tragically, you know, the movie was made in November of 2013. And then the next July, he passed away. It was very sad. So was that his last thing he did? Yep. That was his last one. Yep. The Masked Saint. Mike, I've talked about the Always Sunny pod, you know, and Roddy Piper, you know, he popped up on on that show a couple of times. And they were actually just talking about uh, the uh, wrestling for the troops and Roddy Piper's um, guest star appearance on there and was saying... That man was full of stories that were obviously true, but almost hard to believe. <laughs> he he was uh, he was a wild and crazy guy. Uh, you know, when he was working here in Florida, one of the one of the guys that was on the same uh, show with him that was riding with him, uh, and of course he's from Saskatchewan, uh, Canada. And so he's down here in Florida, and he was enamored with uh, the alligators. And it was like he he was he, he had the guy pull the car over. He was going to go out there in the lake and swim with the alligators. I mean, he was, <laughs> he was crazy. He really was. <laughs> oh boy, yeah. Chris, man, we appreciate your time. It was cool talking to you. Uh, Hey guys, it is great talking to you. I love your show. Thank you. And uh, I thank, thank you. you so much for having me. I really do. I, I got your thank email you. now. If I get any more of that guy uh, drinking his own pee, I'll send it over to you so you can check it out. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right. Thanks. God bless you guys. Thanks. Take care. Thanks, Thanks, Chris. Chris. Take care. Right. Bye. Appreciate Bye. It. <laughs> How so, come you didn't talk drunk? That's a wrestler. You usually like to talk to drunk wrestlers. Drunk likes wrestlers. I do like wrestlers. A little tired. I didn't have much to say today. I'm oh, sorry. Drunk's asleep. <clears throat> Dub Fod goes hard.
guy is a Chris Whaley, the, the masked Saint Travis. I enjoyed that way more than I thought it. What a guy. Yeah, I did too. Um, I could have talked to him for much longer, actually. Like, he was a very interesting dude, very pleasant uh, to talk to. Uh, and for a pastor, <coughs> not too stiff, right? Yeah, but I guess exactly. if you're a, a wrestler, you'll have that. Yeah, he seems like a goer, Travis. Chris Whaley, yeah. good guy. I have a uh, I have a hustle watch for you if you want to. It is time for the hustle watch. This uh, guy on TikTok, Travis. I, I I don't think I wrote down his uh, his handle. I'll put it in the show notes, Travis. Good. We don't want to give him any. He has publicity. a good uh, get rich quick scheme that I think you might like. Oh, let's hear it. I we're love a good there was a way to buy get rich $100,000 watch without spending a single dollar of your money using business credit like this that you never actually had to pay back. Not to the average person, guys. This sounds crazy, but any business owner knows how this works. You know how personal credit works. Let's say, for example, you will get a car or a credit card in your personal name. You're personally held responsible for that. So if you were to go get a credit card in your personal name and you were to go max the card out, you're going to be held liable, and if you don't make that payment back, the bank can come and sue you. Now, what makes us different about business credit? Well, business credit, you are not personally held responsible for that line of credit. So let's say, for example, how I got this watch. I was able to open a business that I didn't really give a shit about. I went and opened business credit cards in that account. I then proceeded to go on, buy this for $100,000. I'm going to turn around and sell it to a jeweler for $80,000 in cash, which now gives me the cash. I'll file bankruptcy on the company. I'll never have to actually pay it back because I'm not personally liable for that American Express card. It's all liable underneath my business. It's all weird to explain in one video, but guys, if you're interested in getting involved in this and you can use some extra easy money now, I want you to go to Instagram. And my That's really good advice, isn't it, Travis? This fucking scumbag. What a fucking scumbag. Isn't that, that's just fraud, right? That's, that's just 100%. What a piece of shit. And he's putting this on social media like it's one of those fucking self-help guys who are like, let me help you with your finances. Go to Instagram and sign up for my free course on how to be a piece of shit. Yo, guys, I got this really good idea. It's called fraud. I about to say, he, uh, <laughs> he, so he sounded like he was from the Northeast for sure. Garbage person. Hey, this is it's like no big deal, man. You just max a bunch of shit out and file bankruptcy, right? <laughs> I don't give a shit about this business. Fuck it. God, what a piece of shit. Travis, I have a really good pick of the week. Yeah, let's hear it. Uh, last night, my wife and I, we watched Becky 2, The Wrath oh of Becky, Travis. God, I want to see that so bad. Travis, I loved Becky. Becky was so good. And, and I this didn't one... actually know there was a Becky 2. Yeah, th this one's got Sean William Scott as a Nazi in it, right? Yes. Yeah, fucking awesome. Travis, they can make a hundred of those Becky movies. I'll watch all of them. They got to start filming them back to back to back because she's going to be a full-blown adult real soon. Right. Tell her to knock it off on getting older. Yeah. <laughs> just make... That's what I'm saying. Like, just as soon as you're done... Because what's her name? Lulu Wilson? Yeah. Isn't that who that is? Yeah. Because she was in, uh, I think, uh, one of the uh, Conjuring movies and was like in Ouija origin. Whatever. It doesn't matter. She's great. Uh, but what they need to do is as soon as they wrap filming on one Becky movie, they need to move right into the next <laughs> Becky movie. <laughs> so maybe, maybe like she needs to have kids and the kids need to also be Becky's. <laughs> That's a good idea. So speaking of uh, picks of the week, did you finish your uh, Natalia Grace thing? Yes. Was it fantastic? It's it's a pretty wild ride. Yeah. Did you watch it? <laughs> I got Lindy to start watching it. Yeah. It's infuriating. 
Travis, pick of the week. Pick of the week, Travis? Travis's pick of the week this week. I finally sat down with Evil Dead Rise, uh, something I wanted to get to the motion picture house to see, but was due to my busy schedule, was not able to get there to see it. Uh, finally watched it on HBO Max, which is now streaming. Um, loved it. Thought it was great. Not quite as gory or as impressive as the, well, and it's not even the Evil Dead remake, uh, just the Evil Dead reimagining uh, from a handful of years ago. But this one was fantastic. They moved Evil Dead and the Deadites into the city and into an apartment complex. Uh, a lot of things you could see coming. Doesn't matter. Oh, actually, I'll spoil it. You, uh, the, uh, when the <laughs> Evil Dead Deadites come out, uh, when they first come out, there's an earthquake. Uh, they're in a parking garage. They see a wood chipper and a chainsaw just by happenstance. The camera kind of lingers on it for a second. And if you know any Evil Dead movies, you're like, oh, we're going to see that in about an hour. And sure shit, you saw the wood chipper in about an hour. And it was fucking awesome. <laughs> so highly recommend as a fan of Evil Dead for many, many, many years. Uh, Evil Dead Rise. Some good gore, some fun scares. Uh, check it out. Drunk pick of the week? Yeah, drunk's pick of the week. Been talking about it for a while now, but uh, Warrior Season 3 on Max comes out this Thursday. They are promoing the shit out of that every time you turn something on on Max. And, well, trust me, the first two seasons were dope, so... They're dope! If you didn't catch the first two, watch those, and then catch Season 3 of... If anybody's been with, uh, speaking of Max, Travis, if anybody's been with the program since uh, pretty much the very beginning, uh, the very first episode of the new season of Righteous Gemstones does have a significant amount of burning dildos. They they make big burn pits to throw dildos in, uh, which is... uh, I think like our seventh episode is pretty much all about burning dildos, so... So Guys, they copied us. They copied us, yeah. That, that's what happens, drunkies. Is, is Uncle Baby Billy pop up <laughs> in the very first episode, please? He doesn't. No, no, but God hopefully soon. Or hopefully we're future soon. Slayers. Guys, we did it. Uh, guys, check out uh, themaskedsaint.com. Check out Chris Whaley's book. Uh, check out the movie. Didn't he say it's on Amazon Prime? Yeah. I think he said it's on Amazon Prime. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. Bye. I'm Bill Dan. for listening to this installment of WFOD. Our operation is 100% independent, so your support is appreciated. 
We don't advertise, so we rely on word of mouth. Please take a moment to tell a friend, share a link, leave a review, or any of the other things podcasts ask you to do. Music featured in this episode is by Carl Casey at White Bat Audio. Check him out at whitebataudio.com. You can contact us with comments or questions by phone at 636-487-HAND or by email at mike at wfodicks.com, travis at wfodicks.com, or drunk at wfodicks.com. Special thanks, as always, to our Patreon sponsors, Jim Chadman, Brian Kranz, Liquid Lozenge, Valerie Carpenter, Jay Adson, and Rabbit Poundings. If you want early access to episodes, you can support the show at patreon.com slash wfodix. Our entire catalog can be found at wfodshow.com, or you can find our feed of the latest episodes on Spotify, Apple, Stitcher, iHeart, or wherever else fine podcasts are found. Check us out on social media, WFOD Show on Twitter and Instagram, WFODix on Facebook and YouTube. We will return next week, but really, we're never gone. Take care. Oh, it's over.